Tonight we're gonna we we were in uh, I think Sunday we were in Philippians chapter one. We're gonna look at Philippians chapter two tonight. If you've got your Bible there, uh, Dad's already had it over on our title slide, so you can see where we're gonna be. Philippians chapter two. We're gonna look at starting out the first eight verses. I'll read a couple more at the end, but we're gonna look at the title. God wants you uh, wants to give you new eyes. God wants to give you new eyes, and uh, He is faithful. And he wants to change the way we look at people and the way we look at things. And so we're going to look at those first verses. If you've got it there, if you can stand, let's stand for the reading of the word. And it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, Verse 7 says, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God wants to give you and me new eyes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know, God, that, Lord, that you want us to see as you see. You want us, God, to, Lord, instead of seeing ourselves, instead of seeing our desires and and our needs and what we want, God, you want us to see through your eyes. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes tonight, that we'd be able to see what you're encouraging us to do. And that God, most of all, that this seed would hit good ground. And God, that we would be willing and desiring that, Lord, you would move and you would have your way. And God, you would work. Lord, in these last hours, you would find a people who says, Here am I, Lord, send me. And God, I pray that you would do it. Lord, bless and then meet us in this altar as we pray tonight. Lord, in this prayer service, that God, you would be lifted up in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. God wants to give you new eyes. God wants to give you new eyes. I, 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 my daughter used to, uh, uh, she's, uh, right now she works for the college, but uh, her, uh, her training and what she, and she used to work for an eye doctor for a few years. And she, of course, made me sure that I went and got my eyes checked on a regular basis. And, man, I tell you what, I, I didn't like some. They do some of those tests. Uh, I hated some of those tests. They did Not that it hurt. It just wore me out. If you all done the test, the glaucoma test, and you're looking and you're clicking and you're, I'm so tense because I always, it's like you're playing a video game and you want to do real well. So I'm sitting there thinking, did, did I see one? Maybe I did. I mean, so it stresses me out. But we, sometimes we need, to, we need to get a checkup on our eyes and see how we're doing. And, and the, at the end, the last thing, the, uh, the doctor would come in and she would tell me how I'm doing. Your eyes are as good or better or your, your, your glaucoma risk is better or worse or, or whatever. And so you get a little uh, a progress report on how you're doing. And so tonight we're looking at God's 
uh, checkup on your eyes. He's going to tell you and let us see where does your eyes and how's your eyes doing, where they need to be tonight. If you look at these verses, uh, of course, we were looking at Sunday. This is, these are people that are dearly beloved by Paul. He's writing a letter to this church in Philippi, and he loves them very much, and they've been faithful Christians, have been good Christians, but they're just like any, I don't care where you go, you're going to find some little problem somewhere, and, 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 and you know what? I'm still looking. I ain't found too many problems here. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting, and, but so far, thank the Lord, we're in pretty good shape. And, and, but you know what? Uh, but there's sometimes can, things can crop up even in the house of God. you know that? I mean, good Christian people can have flaws. I mean, it's hard to believe that, but they can. And I know there's somewhere that they've got them. I mean, not here, but Christians can have some flaws. And so the word was getting to him. I'm going to grab this water because I can tell I'm probably going to need it. But uh, the word was getting to him. This is a prison epistle, so word's getting to him. And there's brothers, and they're even bringing offerings and things. And so the word's getting to him that these people he loved, there's a little bit of trouble in the church. And what the trouble is, is there's a little strife going on. There's a little bickering going on between Christians. And I just, I know it's going to be hard. And I'm just talking about, I'm just talking about this church. It never deals, it happens anywhere else. But there's a little conflict. And, and we know, we know it is so easy. And the hour that we live, it is so easy for the enemy to get a foot. You know, I was thinking about that because... Uh, what they were finding is there's a little conflict. It doesn't tell us what it was, but there's conflict between some of the Christians. Not that they're backslidden. Not that they're, uh, they're just turning away and they're, they're apostate or something. It's just that they can't make their mind up. I want to go this way and I want to go that way and I want this person to preach or whatever's going on. There is conflict. And there is people that's, that's looking out for their own self. Well, I'm better than you or I, whatever their reason is, they may think, I need to make the decision. I've been here longer. Things like that could have been going on. And so Paul is trying to get the point across that that is one of the enemy's greatest tactics to defeat the move of God from moving forth because if we're going to do what God's called us to do, we need to be reaching the lost. We need to be reaching out to those ones we're praying for tonight, those people that we care about. Our whole focus should be, Lord, you've got to move. And as one body, as one soul, we need to get a burden in our hearts and we need to make ourselves available that God can do what he wants to do. And as we are in unity, so he's asking for him to have unity. As we're in unity, God can accomplish those things. But the enemy knows, hey, I'll trip them up. I'm not going to put a big sin out there for them to fall into. Hey, there's not some big sin that they're doing, but I'll just get them to have a little disagreement with each other. And all of a sudden, what they want to do will never be accomplished because they'll be so focused on, on three words that you will never find that God uses too much in Scripture to move forward. Me, myself, and I. That is never God's favorite words. He can't do a lot with me, myself, and I. He can, he can do a lot if we just give them to him. But what God wants is unity. God wants us to be together. God wants us to come together with one heart. And so what he's saying to them in this, if, if this first verse is, he says, now listen church, he says, if there be any consolation, comfort, he's talking about uh, the comfort of Christ. Is Christ comforted you? Is he consoled you? Has he been there and fellowship with you? Is, has he been there when you went through problems? Has he been your strength as you went through problems? Is he get, he's talking about bowels of mercy. He's talking about compassion and mercy. Has God been faithful to you throughout your situation? Has God been good to you? Has Christ been there for you? And the answer from every one of them, we don't see the answer, but the answer is resounding, yes, absolutely. He took me out of a miry clay and he lifted me up. He saved me. He has met my needs. As we pray tonight, God answers needs and God moves. And so God's been faithful. 
And so what he's going to do in these next verses, he's going to point a spotlight back at him and says, now, wait a minute. You're, you're, we're talking about a God, a holy God, a mighty God, a God that is, is incredible and powerful and something we can't even wrap our mind around. And if he is, we're going to show that he humbled himself to come down, and that's the, the, the Trinity is in, in total unity. We're going to see the Trinity is in perfect unity, the example for us. You, 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 they're three and one and one and three. There are perfect unity. Everything they do is in perfect harmony. The plan of God is fulfilled through the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. And so we see that they are in unity. And so he's saying, if God's done anything for you, then you need to model yourself after what Christ did for you and what I. And so even Paul is here is saying, my greatest desire, if you will do this, if there could be unity in your flesh and you all could get together, he says, fulfill my joy. Be you like, and that word fulfill there actually means complete. It is a picture of overflow. He says, if you will hear what I'm saying and you will recognize what God's done for you and how unworthy you are, and you will get the same spirit, the same thing he did for you, the love that I have for you, the love that he has for you, if you'll capture that and you will let him and see what he's done for you and let him work through you, it's going to cause not only my joy, but God's joy is going to overflow. And then God can make you productive. So if God, if you want God to use you, if we don't want to just sit on a pew and just keep going down the road and not making any progress, then we don't need to worry about this. But what he's saying here, we need to let God examine our eyes is what he's going to tell us here. So we see that he is trying to get us to examine our eyes. Uh, what were these believers doing? They were bickering, but the Lord is going to help them. Uh, they, and you know what they were doing? They were looking down at other people. You know what it's so easy to do sometimes? It's sometimes we have an ideal and it's our plan and it's so easy. This is what comes natural. It's easy for us to look at, at, look, look at our own selves and we see me, myself, and I, right? This is what I need. This is what this person needs to help me with this situation. We see all of our needs really clearly, and we see what we desire, and we see what we want, and we see what our plans are, and what this is going to tell us is that's not the, what God wants us to do. God wants us to not see and to be con concentrating on our own self, but he wants us to look at others. So what they were doing is each person was looking down on others and their plans and their desires and whatever they were saying. So we're going to see that he doesn't want us to do that. Hey, listen, let me tell you what happens when you have unity. Let me tell you the best example, probably in Scripture, one of the best examples of that is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man who was was not his occupation was not a uh, building contractor he was not a builder he was a man that served the king his wine and he was a Jew that was brought as a servant to the king and he had a pretty powerful and and we know the story God dealt with his heart and God burdened his heart because he heard the word came to him when he seen someone from Jerusalem and he gave them an update on what was going on and they said it's horrible and they gave him this picture the walls are torn down they've been burned it's just rubble the uh, your your cousins your family they're just being ran over they have no protection they have they they have no the enemy just comes in and it, they are totally exposed and all of a sudden God you know God stirs a man or a woman's heart every time he wants to do something and so he stirred his heart and he man and we see that when God went through this process of several days and it finally comes out in the king God prepared a man and then he had to prepare the king's heart and then he did he sent everything they needed and the, the incredible thing I want you to see about unity they get there 
and there is a group of families, just a group of families that captured the burden that God had given Nehemiah. And in 52 days, in 52 days, not only did they clear out the rubble, See, it wasn't start from scratch. How many knows that when you do a remodeling project, it's even harder than starting from scratch? It would be better to start from scratch, but they had a remodeling project. And so, and, not, and it wasn't easy because the enemy was trying their best to discourage them and defeat them. But in 52 days, they worked with a, with a sword in one hand and a trial in the other. In 52 days, they cleared that out and they, every one of them rebuilt the entire city surrounded by a wall. And they, people were able to see the immorality. And they were spellbound. Why? Because what was going on was the picture of unity. How did that happen? Because God did something. Because God was involved. Now, God wants to do that same thing in this last hour. All we got to do is look around. All you got to do is flip on the news at night. Are we not dealing with a, a world that is in total despair? A world who's looking for answers? A world who's being terrified and fearful? And you can see the end times coming. And we know that those people that we care about and we love there's people just in your circle that I will never see there's people in your circle that will never be in my influence that God wants to use you to be the vessel so that you could reach them through him through what he wants to do through your life and he will do that but we have to have tonight we're going to see we need new eyes so tonight the first thing we're going to look we're going to look at four things uh, we need new eyes God wants to give you new eyes so you can do one thing first is to look in verse 3 says let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. He's telling you, first of all, if you want God to move in you, first thing we need to do is look at ourselves. We need to look inside of ourselves and see. And let me ask you this question. Tell me one thing that when you look inside of yourself, when we examine ourselves, now it's easy to look at ourselves and find all the good things, but if you ever examine yourself, and I do this quite often, uh, 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 you examine yourself and you say, God, oh Lord, uh, show me what you see. And all of a sudden you see things you didn't see before and you have a list that is a mile long saying, Lord, how in the world are you ever doing anything in me because there's not too much good in me? And you realize really quickly every good thing that you could check mark in your life, every good thing is because it comes down from the Father above. There's not one of us that when we take a true inventory of what's going on inside us will not come to the realization that the reason that anything good comes out of us, it's only because of the Savior that we serve. It's only because God sent His Son who came down and yielded. And we're going to look at that. Such wonderful scriptures coming up, I think, in verse, starting in verse 5 and 6. But when, when the Lord came down and yielded everything for you and I so that we could have a brand new nature, so that we could be washed white as snow, and so that we could be cleansed. And because of that, when we look inside, we see all the flaws, but we see the grace of God in every area of my life. I can see multiple times. I can see where God took me from. And I can see where he's got me to today. And that gives me courage of where he's taking me tomorrow. Don't you? Isn't that what he's doing in your life? So he wants you to look inside. We need to look inside and ask God to let our will crumble. We need to ask him, Lord, don't let me be focused on my own desires, my own needs. But Lord, let me see as you see. God wants us to give us eyes that sees as he sees. He wants us to ask him that our will crumbles before him. He wants us to look inside until our desires becomes his desires. 
That's the ultimate plan God wants in your life is that instead of us coming to God with our wish list and coming and saying, now God, here's all the things like I used to do for Christmas and I'd get the book out and I'd find all the pages and I'd write all the things. Here's what I want and this massive list. But God wants us to come with an empty book and with empty pages and say, God, what do you want? What do you want to do in my life? What do you want? Let my will crumble before you and let my desires become your desires. Oh, God is looking for people who will say that with tears and say, God, let my desires become your desires. He can use that person. That's the one he wants to do things through if we'll just let him. And then we need to look inside and we need to ask God, let your heart become my heart. God, let my heart pound. Sometimes I have to pray that, Lord, please let me see people the way you see them. God, let me have a heart toward them like you have because it is so easy for me to see my flaws or to see my desires and to see what I've got on my agenda and just go right past and not see that breaking heart or see that need that God has got there before me to do something to represent Him. So we need to first, we've got to look inside. If we're going to do anything for him, if we're going to listen to what Paul's got to say, we need to look inside first. Realize, hey, this isn't working. When we're, when we're sitting here and we're going all kinds of different directions, and I don't see that, but I'm just saying just, just as your own heart, if we get one heart, one mind, one soul, one love, and we will see that God will use that to propel that he will reach the loss that we've never, ever dreamed that we could see before. So he wants us to look in. After he gets us to look in and he's working on our eyes and he lets us look in and all those, there's, there's probably, if you're like me, there's tears that comes at that point. <laughs> there's times, man, I'm telling you right here in this church, you'd be surprised how many times that I'm having to do that. Lord, I, you see things that I, you know, Lord, help me. Lord, how in the world can I do what you want me to do? You've called me. Now you've got to work in this, this, this heart of mine and help me. So he sometimes tells me to look in, but then he wants us after we look in and we see what he shows us inside of ourselves. Then he wants us to look out. He wants to look out at those that is in front of us. Verse 3, the second half of it says, But in lowliness, that's, that's humility of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. What? I mean, yeah, you want me to see them, but you're saying I'm supposed to think, love them more than myself and care about them more than me? That doesn't, that doesn't sound fair it doesn't sound right how i mean how's my needs going to get met let me tell you something let me let me give you a, a promise on this and i and and, and look i can't say I, that i've got this under completely under control but i can tell you the times that i have totally trusted god in this area right here let me tell you what he does you will find you, right now we spend a lot of energy trying to take care of us we take a lot of time and energy trying to meet our needs and to try to accomplish our goals but the times that you stop and say God let me put others before myself you and you're thinking well I'm going to get cheated on that no let me tell you something you will find that when God uses you and he answers that prayer and you reach out and you see others needs and God speaks and you're able to minister you will find your joy will overflow you will find that more than if you accomplished everything on your bucket list, there will, you will find an emptiness there. There is so many times that I have gotten what I wanted. I have done the things that I wanted to do. And at the end of the list, I find a point where I say, 
Okay, what next? Because it's not what I thought it was going to be. But when we hear the voice of God and God's able to speak and give us brand new eyes and we see others' needs, all of a sudden when God's able to use us to do something for Him, you will find that joy overflows. It's a secret this world needs to learn. But it's just the opposite. It's what comes natural. So we have to listen to what the Word tells us. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem, let each look at and see others in a light better than... If you start looking at people... You know, our generation uh, likes to put down older people. Our generation likes to say, well, they're not worth much anymore. They, they've already used their usefulness. And, and when we, we can just kind of push them off to the side. But let me tell you something. If you ever get around some old people and you sit around and you talk to him a little bit and you figure out that person has done things I can't even imagine. That person is a special individual. I would have never dreamed that you had ever done that or you had seen that or this is what you'd accomplish with your life. And we don't realize the, the, the awesomeness of other people. Why? Because the enemy wants us to keep our focus on ourselves. And, and so what this is saying here is look out and realize that God has got wonderful people that he wants to love through you. He wants to love them through you. And it only happens when we quit looking at our situation and we look out and we see them. So look out in humility. This, this, uh, 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 this word lowliness of mind is humility. Look out in love. Look at, let me tell you something. People, people know, uh, just like kids know, they know if you care about them. They know if you love them. And people understand it. And so if you reach out and you do things for people and, and, and you show them love, especially when they can't do anything back for you, you're going to see that there are going to be people, their mind is going to be like, oh, my goodness, what's the deal with that person? They're looking for the, there's an angle. There's got to be an angle somewhere because they're going to, but all of a sudden, after a while, they're like, man, that person's just, that person's just special. They really care about me. They're not getting anything out of this. All I, every time I turn around, they're doing something for me. They never ask anything. In I know you all have got those friends that every time you see them, okay, here they come. They want something. But when, somebody, but when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I don't want anything. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, let me. Oh, you got that. Let me pray for you right now. Hey, you got this situation. Hey, I've got this. And the Lord told me. And if you ever had that, someone said, Lord told me to give you this. And it's like, man, wow. What an amazing thing. God wants to do things. But first, we've got to have a change of eyes. we got to look we got to look and see that there's needs in front of us. See that there's needs. You know what else? So God wants us first to look inside and so that we'll be humbled. And then he wants us to look out and see the needs that's right there in front of us. There is more needs today than ever before. Ever before. And then what he wants us to do is he wants us to look around. He wants us to look around. It says here in verse 4, it says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, it's not saying here, just don't worry about anything. Don't worry about your house. Just let it run down. Don't worry about paying the bills. <laughs> don't worry about your kids. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, don't make it the focus of your life, you. It's a sad existence when we are the focus. I'm telling you, it's a sad existence when we are the center of our own attention. But he's saying, stop putting all your focus on you and you need to look around at the opportunities that I have given you. You are put here for in a specific time, a specific place, a specific area. Your job, everything, God has you perfectly where he wants. You, I don't like my job. Well, God's got you there right now. And what he does, he's got you in a mission field. 
Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, whatever your occupation, whatever your friends, whoever lives down your street, God's given you an opportunity. He says, look around here. Let not every man, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. What do you need to look around? You need to look around for needs. You need to look. You know what? If you come to God and you say to God, Lord, use me. Here I am. God, I, I, you've done so much for me. And we're going to see why. We're going to see how he's done so much for us in a couple of verses. But we're going to, we come to him. He wants us to come and say, Lord, you've done so much for me. What do you want me to do for others? And God will put needs in front of you that you can meet. You can meet. And God will bless you. He's not putting needs in front of you that I'm supposed to meet. He's not putting needs in front of me you're supposed to meet. He's putting needs in front of you. And when he deals with your heart, he wants you to do, to make yourself available. Just say, here I am, Lord, whatever you want. Because the needs, as I said a moment ago, have never been greater. They've never been more numerous. They've never been more important than the hour we live today. People are looking for something to give them an answer. It is never going to be a political party. It's never going to be the right person in the White House. It's never going to be the right economic plan. It's not going to be that job that's going to pay you enough money. It's only going to be when our eyes are turned toward the things of God. You know what else we need to look around? Not just the needs. We need to look around and see the harvest. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. The harvest is sitting there ready to be reaped. And the Lord tells us about this. But we need to realize that the moment that the rapture takes place, the harvest is done. There is no more opportunity. So if we get that and we realize that, and you realize if I told you in the next 30 minutes, 30 minutes from now, the Lord's told me, and of course we know it wasn't true because Scripture says He doesn't tell anybody. But if I did, some divine voice spoke out of heaven and says, I'm coming back in 30 minutes. You would be wanting to call those people that you love so much and say, you got to get ready. You wouldn't sit here and just say, hey, let me get my hair fixed. I need a haircut, by the way. I wouldn't worry about a haircut. But I, we would sit there not worried about ourselves. We would be calling that list of people. you got to get ready. you got to get ready. Time is short. you got to get call out on him right now. Call him right now because time is short. But we don't realize the clock of eternity is clicking down. And so God has got a harvest field ready to be reached. And we, are we asking him, God, what do you want me to do? He, he tells us about this. He talks to his disciples. He tries to get their attention by looking around. They're worried about themselves. They're worried about what position. Am I going to be number one? Do I get a throne a seat next to you? And here's what he says to them. Say ye not there yet in John uh, 4, 35. It's not up there, I don't think. But it says, say ye not there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He's saying you're sitting here making excuses, worried about everything else. And what are you doing? You're looking at your needs. You're looking at your situation. He says, look up, look around and see it's time to get busy because I'm coming soon. And so we need to say, God, let me see others as you see. God, show me the harvest field and give me a burden. Then you give me the zeal. You say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it. And you say, I want to do this. I want to look in. And sometimes I do. I look in and I don't like what I see. And, and I want to look. I want to look. Uh, 
I want to look out and see those needs. I want to look around and see the harvest field. I want to do that, but I struggle. So how do I do it? Well, he gives us the answer. He tells us this last one here is the only way you're going to be. He gives us the answer uh, to be able to do these things. You can't do it in yourself. The only way you can do it is finally look up. Look up. And he says, how do we do it? Our example. Our example is Jesus Christ. How do we do it? We follow an example of what he did for us. Look up. It says in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That word mind means attitude. That word mind is let the attitude that Christ had for you be in you for others. Because Paul is saying, I've got it. That's the what I'm doing. The reason I'm praying for you, the reason I'm encouraging you, the reason I'm telling you if you'll get in unity and accomplish what God's got for you, it'll make my joy overflow. Why? Because I care about you. I'm not looking. I'm in prison. But what I'm worried about is you. I want you to have the fullness of God's joy. And it's only going to come when you look up and see the example that God has set for you. You know what? When you look up, God will give you a new mind. He'll give you a new attitude. Have you ever had, sometimes, I remember as a kid, I'd hear this a little bit, and I needed this quite a bit. Sometimes you need an attitude adjustment. Attitude adjustment. <laughs> we don't like attitude adjustments. No, I like my attitude just the way it is. No, you need an attitude adjustment. And I, I'm sure I use that on my kids a few times. Never feels good to hear that. But the Lord wants to give us all an attitude adjustment. He really does. He wants us, he wants us to see through new eyes so that he can change. You know what? Everything in your life, whether it be a diet you're going to go on, whether it be any challenge that you face, it starts in the mind. You can't, let me tell you something, I, 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 uh, there's, and, and I know dad's this way, and I guess I get it from him, if I'm going to do a project, I was putting up an outdoor ceiling fan, and I got into a real problem with the other day, and I actually called a, a friend to come over and help me, and he couldn't, he couldn't help me. This guy's an electrician, and we ran into a problem. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And I knew I had to get this up because he, he kind of bailed on me. And I'm sitting there, and my wife, I've spent a lot of money on a ceiling fan. It needs to go up outside, and it's got all these extra wires and crazy stuff. And some of you all that's good electricians, you're probably laughing at me and say, well, I, pff, that's nothing. But when it's got that remote control and all that stuff, it's got all these extra wires. And, bunch of, and it's got a bunch of stuff. Dad could have fixed it in a heartbeat. I, just would, I wouldn't tell him because I knew he'd be over trying to get on a ladder. So I wouldn't do that. So I so so you know what I had to do? The only way I could get it lined out is I, I got in my bedroom the, night, the next night, and I said, I've got, I'm going to have to do this myself. So I started reading and watching videos and getting in my mind every step. Okay, I'm going to do this. Okay, and I print out the wire diagrams, and I get it in my mind. And then when I came out the next day, it was like, pfft. Well, this wasn't that hard. It wasn't that hard. What was the difference? The few days before, I was sitting there saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. And all of a sudden, I can do it. Well, the difference is, I had an attitude adjustment. <laughs> I had a change of mind. Why? Because there had to be something happen inside of me so that I would have the confidence to move forward, so that I would look through new eyes, so that I would have confidence because I had a help. And so we need to realize the Lord wants us to give us a new mind so that we can accomplish the goal. See, you see, this is the goal. The reason you're saved, it wasn't to stop with you. The reason I'm saved, it wasn't just to stop with me. God came for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How, do we, how does he reach the world? Through you and me, telling them about it, giving us a desire to change and to presenting to them the gospel so that we point them to him. And how do we do it? We put our eyes on him. We say, Lord, how did you do it? And we see it starts with a new mind. It goes on in verse 6 says, and this, listen, this, it's, I don't even, I sit around for two days trying to wrap my mind on around how to explain this. So, and I really am not going to do a very good job. But if, it is so powerful if you get this, uh, what, what actually happened. But in verse 6 it says, Who being, this is talking about Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's hard to understand. What do you mean, robbing God? This is his son. How in the world? But let me read it to you from another translation. It's a little easier to understand. Uh, it says, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. What he's saying is, Jesus looked at you and me, and he looked at his deity, he looked at his power, he looked at the fact that he's in a throne room, with, with angels who is worshiping. He is sitting there on the right hand of God himself. He is in perfect awesomeness in the presence of God. Everything is perfect. And when he looked at you and me, he said, well, I'm not too powerful and good to lay down my, 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 my power and my ability. I'm going to lay it down so that I can become a man, so that I could come down and offer them help and hope and salvation. And he said, I'm not, it's not too big, too hard for me. It's not something that I'm not willing to do to lay down my, my he was always God. But he laid down his, his power, he laid down his abilities, and he humbled himself to become a hundred percent man, still a hundred percent God, but a hundred percent man, and he had every weakness. Sometimes we think, oh, the reason he was able to do all those miracles, oh, the reason he was able to do all this stuff, and, and we can't ever think about doing that, is because he was God. Yeah, he was God, but everything he did when he was here was through this flesh like you and me. In fact, he says in one verse that there is that things that you've seen me do, you're going to be able to do greater. Why? Because I go to my Father. You, that's, why, you, that's why you can answer this question. Why did Jesus He's God. Why was he praying so much? Why before daylight was he praying? Why after dark was he praying? Why was he doing all this seeking God? Why did he get filled with the Spirit there with John? Why did he do that? So that God, because he laid down, he, he, he took off his eternal glorious robes and weakened himself and he chose not to come down as some king, but he came down in the form of a servant. He came down, in the, he came down as a slave, is that word it's talking about. He came down to to the lowest place that he could come and he laid down all the glory that he had in heaven for you and me because he loved you so much he wanted you to be able to come and to be in his glory and to buy back and to purchase back your salvation and he said I'm not too good to do that for you and so what he's saying here today is that if you look up and you see our example laid down his glory so that he could come down and be a child 
and then a young boy, and then become a man. And when he suffered, he felt every bit of it. And when he, and you can realize, I was thanking him tonight that when, Lord, when I come to you, when I come to you and I'm fearful, Lord, you felt anxiety before. When I come to you and I'm sick, you've been sick before. When I come before you and you're, I've been hurt, you've been hurt before. I, when I've been betrayed, you've been betrayed beyond what I can imagine. You've suffered that I'll, some, that I'll never, ever know. You've went through things that I can't even imagine. Lord, so when I come to you, you're not a high priest, can't be in touch with my infirmities or my weaknesses you've went through it all so we come to him and saying thank you lord that you laid it down willingly willingly he yielded himself to come down so that you and i could experience the cleansing washing power of his blood and now he asks us are we willing to lay down our pride to lay down our goals to lay down our desires and say lord now do that through me That's what he's wanting to paint a picture here and to show us that he laid it down. He didn't do anything in his own strength. He didn't do anything and says, well, I'm God. I don't need anything. No, he humbled himself. He was totally submissive to the will of the Father. John 5.30 says, and this is Jesus speaking, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. Who's he hearing? God. How's he hearing it? Through the Holy Spirit. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Every day he humbled himself to do what, he, what the Lord wanted him to do, what God wanted him to do. How did he do it? He'd find him out before daylight, calling out on God. And that way, and so when day breaks and the disciples were, were being lazy and they don't want to go in there, he said, hey, we got to go. I must need to go to Samaria. I must need. How did he know? God told him. How did he tell him? He was in prayer, just like he wants me and you to be. How did he do all the things that he did? He was filled with the Holy Spirit, overflow with the Holy Spirit. He had the same weakness as you and I did, and he gave us the example that we can be, we can see the same thing. We can see great victory. We can see the move of God. And it wasn't because he had all this strength, because he rarely slept. He, he was weak. They, he was contr- Hey, listen, you think what we're seeing now is catastrophe of people trying, everybody trying to destroy everybody in the political world? Here Jesus is reaching out, meeting needs, healing, preaching to the lost. And the whole time he's got these, this, uh, uh, he's got these Pharisees sitting here trying to trip him up, trying to discourage him, trying to, to try to kill him. They're trying to kill him. At the very time he's trying to minister to people and save souls and to heal the sick. And he, you know what he did? He just kept on taking care of needs. He kept putting people, he kept seeing them with eyes of love. And so what he wants us to do, and Paul's saying here, that's the eyes you need. That's the eyes you need. And the only way you get them, you get them from following our example and asking him to give it to you. He's our example. And what he did, he did through prayer and fasting and full of the Holy Spirit. You know what else? When we look up, what else? God, and I'm almost done, but God can give us new desires. God can change. Let me tell you something. If you would know the desires I had before I got saved, I can tell you right now, God gives us new desires. I don't ever want the desires I had at one time. God changes us. The closer you get to Him, the more you get into His presence, the more that you experience His glory, the more you get in prayer and you just weep before Him, all of a sudden you're going to find out your desires change. You're going to find out you don't think the same things anymore. But it says in verse 7, but he made himself of no reputation. 
He came down as the lowest of the low and took upon him the form of a servant, of a slave, and was made in the likeness of men and found fashion, or being found in a fashion of, as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. He, listen, he had to, he had to humble himself. He had to lay down his uh, ability because there was no way men could kill, could kill God. God, man has no power over God. He humbled himself to become flesh just like you and I, and he humbled himself. So he didn't just come. You know, uh, Paul, when he gives his pedigrees, he says, I was, you know, I was the best of the best. You know, that it doesn't mean anything, but I was of the tribe of Israel, of the best tribe. I was, you know, all these different pedigrees. And he's saying, but I, but I don't let any of that get in my way. I humble myself before God. But the Lord came just the opposite. The Lord came as the lowest of the low. And not only did he come as not a high person in a, a family with money, in a town that was uh, powerful and all the conveniences, but he came to the low. He was born in a stable. He's born in a stable. He came as a nobody. He was born to, a, he was a carpenter. He had to work, a carpenter's son, and I'm sure he grew up working. And it says that he even became obedient unto death, and not just death. But the most excruciating, painful thing that you could even hear that people trembled to think about is he died the death of the cross. The perfect death where you die on the inside or the outside before you finally die. You, you, rigor mortis says it's the most horrible thing in the world. He humbled himself to even that. Why? Because his heart loved you and I so much. And so he wants to change us and he wants to give us new desires. When we look up, God last will give us new opportunities when we get to this place and we say god you've given me new heart you've given me new eyes you've given me new desires well he'll give you new opportunities you're going to find that there is situations that you've been walking past every day just like john or excuse me paul or john and peter excuse me john and peter who walks to the temple they went by this guy every day every day they go by this guy is asking for money they just forget about him if they don't have it they got something they throw it in they go all of a sudden because God's changed them from the inside out, they're now filled with the Holy Spirit. They're now, God's moving and done something incredible in their life. They come by, all of a sudden, what happened? Boom! They see something different. He's been there the whole time. What happened? God gave them a new opportunity. God said, hey, I've been, I've been waiting on you to get where you are because this guy needs, this guy's been sitting here for years. Can you imagine him saying, why didn't somebody tell me this earlier? Why didn't somebody come by about 10 years ago? I've been sitting here waiting. You know what? God will give people opportunities if we will allow him God has laid out a vast opportunity for you to love others through him. He wants you to reach them through him. He wants you to love them through him. He wants you to give them hope through him. It's not us. It's because they see what he's done for us. But the question is, is where are our eyes tonight? Where is our eyes? And I was praying this myself tonight. Lord, start with me, God. Start with me. You give me new eyes. Let me see different than I've ever seen. Let me feel. Let me love. You give me your desire. You know what? The last three verses says, because Jesus came and he yielded himself and he loved us so much and he gave us all and he humbled himself and he became the lowest. He became insignificant. He became, which was powerful because of what he did. He lowered himself as low as he could possibly go. And he put himself last. You don't see Jesus ever saying, somebody think about me. Hey, I need a me day. I need, a, I need some me time. 
You ever say that? I've said that a few times. I need some. He never said that. He met every need. He did everything. He accomplished the mission. And what does God do? When, when, when you humble yourself and you do what he asks, we see that God, when we humble ourselves before him, it says in Scripture that he's the one that lifts us up. Look what he did to Jesus because he was so faithful to accomplish what he had sent him to do. Wherefore, because of what he did, God hath highly exalted him. He lifted him higher than anything. And it says, and given him a name which is above every name. It's above COVID-19. It's above cancer. It's above depression. It's above that sickness. It's above uh, uh, that addiction. It's above your heartbreak. Whatever you are, his name's above that name. His name's highly exalted above that name. It's, you go down the interstate and you see those billboards or you see those signs for those restaurants way up in the air and you can see them from a long way off and all of a sudden hey I you know you, you're drawn toward hey that his name whatever you're going through his name's exalted up just look toward him just call out on him who's exalted his name and give him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus and this is coming very soon every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. There's not going to be one soul, the greatest atheist who ever lived, and even Stalin and Hitler and some of the people that today that you can see that hates God so bad. There's not going to be one of them that's, not going, to be, that's going to be able to stand there stiff chest and their head up. They're going to tremble and their knees are going to quiver and they are going to crumble and they're going to be fearful because they're going to be in the presence of the living God. And they're going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And once and for all, they will have to admit He is Lord. He is Lord. He is God and He's still on that throne. And so God has lifted Him up and gave Him that wondrous name. And every single person will bow their knee to him. Every demonic force will be humbled before him. That every tongue, every nation, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it gives glory to the glory of God the Father. When we lift up Jesus, God's the one who gets the glory. And so it's like full circle. God came, gave, so that we could give. And when we give, it gives glory to Christ who gives glory to God. That's what his, your purpose is in life. And the question is, where are our eyes? Because God wants to give us new ones. God wants us to see differently. He wants us to see different than we ever have before. The question is, are we willing to do it? We can go on, and, and, and some of you all may say, well, I'm doing pretty good. That's awesome. Because I want God to do, I want to go to the eye doctor. I want God to give me an examination. And I want him to give me the eyes that he has for me to accomplish what he wants. Don't you? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's stand tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God wants to do a work. And he has a plan. But many times we are our own obstacle because we're waiting for someone else to do it. But God's waiting for individuals who will say, here I am, do it in me. Let me pray tonight.
and I'm going to pray. And, and if you have a desire and you're saying, Lord, here I am, will you pray with me tonight? Don't let me just pray, but you pray and as you do, say, Lord, give me those new eyes. God, let me see the way you want me to see. God, have your way in my life. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you came and gave so much for us. You surrendered so much for us. You yielded and laid down so much for us, God. We can't even imagine the glory and splendor that You laid down so that You could lower Yourself to come and to suffer and to die, Lord, for mine and, and Lord, our sin. But God, we thank You for that. God, I pray that You would examine our hearts and God, examine our lives. That we would see, God, that You want to use us. And God, You need to give us new eyes and a new heart and a new mind, God, that we can accomplish what You want, Lord. You want to love others through us. You want to reach others through us. You want to give hope to others through us, Lord. And God, we pray that You would do it. God, examine us. And God, that we would just hear it and be just hearers only. But God, we would desire to be doers of what You've told us to do. And God, that we would humble ourselves tonight. And that every day, Lord, we would just get a new burden. And God, we would be yielded to You that You would be able to work. And that God, You'd be able to do what You want to do. Reach the lost, God. Do mighty things, God, that we would be encouraged. And that God, we would have a just, Lord, joy that fills our life overflowing. As God, we see the principle that You want to do in our life. And that You overflow Your people. Lord, I thank You, Lord. You use us. Vessels, God, that can't do anything. You use us, God. God, to do work for You, a holy God. And Lord, I pray that You receive glory because of it, God. I praise You and thank You that, Lord, You're going to do some things. And God, that You're wanting to work and You're going to do it. That's why You stir us. That's why You move. That's why You encourage us, God. Lord, let our eyes be on You. And that, God, as we get our eyes on You, Lord, then we're going to be able to see everything else more clearly. We're going to see the needs. We're going to see what You want us to do. But it starts with You. And then, God, Lord, as we end, Lord, I don't want to take, Lord, miss the opportunity, Lord, that we reach out for those that maybe are lost. God, there could be those that says that I'm the one You're talking about that needs God. Lord, if they let them call out on You today. Lord, let them call out on You and see their need for You. And, God, that You would rush there to them. God, that You would be, Lord, that You would cause them to think about You all day and all through the night. And that, God, that they would take the time to say, I want You, Lord. I trust You. I want to believe in You. God, come into my heart. And that, God, You would do such a mighty work that, God, that they would be amazed that, Lord, in this last hour, You're available. God, You're not better. You're not too good, God. You want them. And, Lord, You are right there available right now. And God, I pray that you would have your way. Move in this service. And God, you accomplish your work. And when you do it, it's perfect every time. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Could we just, one last time, could we just praise Him? Because He will do the work. Sometimes we just need to thank Him and praise Him that He cares about us and what He's going to do. Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank You, Lord, that You speak to us. Thank You, Lord, that You want us to see with Your eyes, that You see our needs. And God, You keep working on us, Lord. You don't just say, Lord, I, I worked on You last week and You didn't do anything. But You keep moving and You keep stirring. Thank You, Lord, that You see our needs. And thank You that Your heart is still, Lord. Oh, Lord, it pours out on us and You desire Thank You for what You're going to do, Lord, through Your Word. Let Your Word go forth. And God, let it bring in the increase. We thank you, Lord, for your mighty power. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen.